We're going to get into the word, uh, continue in the word. We've been in it from the opening song of our worship team, and so we're just going to continue in our worship experience by turning to the book of Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses 25 through 34. And as you're finding that, I'll just pray for us. Lord, help us as we study your word. Open our eyes so that we can see what's here in your law. As I open my mouth, Lord, let it not be me who speaks, but that your word would speak to me and to everyone sitting here such that we can apply it to our lives and be changed by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you all read with me beginning at verse 25? It should be on the screen. It says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Just, I want to go back to verse 32 very briefly. It says, for the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So just look to a neighbor, maybe your child, and just say the message for today is run well. Run well. How many of you, by show of hands, do not like to run? Yes, thank you. All my people, I do not like to run. But I know many of you do. Some of you actually run marathons on purpose. I don't understand why you would do that. Um, and I won't even pretend that it's going to be a New Year's resolution of mine. That would be a lie, though it is good for the body. So part of me does wish that I liked to run, but I don't. Um, but figuratively, we're all running, are we not? We're running to maybe run our kids to every sports competition. We're running to get that promotion. We're running to finish school. We're running to see our grandkids. We're running to raise more funds. We're running to get that next vote. We're running. All of us in some way are running toward something. And the opportunity or a challenge, depending on how you look at it, is for us to run well. So if you wanted a resolution and didn't have one for 2020, let it be to run well. Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. No, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. I strike a blow to my body, make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. 
run well. From this text, we just want to highlight three uh, points. Firstly, fuss less and fasten more. Trade in your getting for his giving. And move from visitation to habitation. The text opens with the word, therefore. And so, of course, if there's a therefore, we know that we've got to find out what it's, what is it there for? And we only have to go back a few verses, back up to about 19 or so, to see the Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. And this is a part of the larger Sermon on the Mount, which I'd encourage all of us to read. Chapters 5 through 7 pretty much captures that. But if you go back a few verses in this text, it talks about our storing up treasures, not on earth, where the moth or vermin destroys, but rather storing up our treasures in heaven where moth and vermin cannot destroy. Because where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Verse 24 then says, no one can serve two masters. Either you're going to love one, hate the other, you're going to despise one and really get with the other. You cannot root for UVA and the University of Florida tomorrow night in the Orange Bowl. Amen? I got one good friend in the room who I know is an alum of both, but you got to pick one (laughs) for those who are totally lost. Football season, and I'm not even a big fan of football, but tomorrow is the Orange Bowl, and I've got a lot of students playing, so I'm paying attention. You got to pick one. Back to the scripture. It says you cannot serve both God and mammon, money. So with that as a backdrop, then the Gospel of Matthew goes on to the verse we read, verse 25. Therefore... Don't worry about the mammon, the money, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what fine dining you can or cannot have, or what fashion you do or don't have. Don't worry about getting. Don't worry about all of that stuff. Is not life more than food? The body more than clothes? I think it important, even in our brief time, to insert parenthetically a really important point that I don't mind repeating. Some of you have heard. As this text talks about anxiety and worry, what we are not saying is if you are dealing with something more pathological in its orientation by way of anxiety or worry, this message isn't about indicting you or your faith. Your health challenges isn't an indictment of your faith. Amen? But I believe the scripture is speaking to more broadly is all of us having dealt with the tension of earthly strivings that can distract from our more eternal pursuits. Now, on the flip side of that coin, if you are here with the health challenge that's more pathological in its orientation, don't ever think that it's out of the reach of God. We do serve a God who conquered death and the grave, and should he choose to, he is quite able to relieve us of any ailment that we face. So I think that is also important to note that he is more than capable, but if he chooses not to, It's not an indictment of your faith, nor should it rock your faith. In fact, the love God has already shown us, as we discussed a little bit earlier today, is more than enough. His grace is sufficient. Amen? Close that parenthesis. Do not worry, Scripture says, about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Message version of the Bible says it this way. Stop fussing. (laughs) If you're living for Jesus... Stop fussing about whether or not you have the latest fashion or the finest dining. For me, Paul Harris, as a teenager, it was my bowed legs I couldn't stop fussing about. I was, Mommy, why are my legs so bold? Look at them. 
Thank God for patient moms and dads. Kids, tell them how great they are. And she would listen and just say, God made you. And what fussing is going to change them? (laughs) Nothing. No fussing, no worrying is actually, as the text said, going to change the outcome. Verse 26 says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Verse 27 in the message version, again, of the Bible, we'll come back to the NIV in a moment, says, has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? The NIV that we read this morning says, can any of you, any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So look at a different neighbor and say, fuss less, fasten more. In Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, we see a fastening and we see a fussing. Jesus, while he was traveling, stops at the home of Mary and Martha. If you know the story, you know Martha is busy, busy preparing, busy working for the Lord, serving the Lord, which is a whole other avenue we can go down. You can find yourself so busy and distracted by the work for the Lord that you forget the Lord of the work. But anyways, she's busy. She's preparing for him. While Mary is doing the better thing, the scripture says, is at his feet, hanging on every word. And Martha loses perspective and says something to the effect of, Lord, will you tell her to get off of her bottom and help me? Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset. You're fussing about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what's better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary decided to fasten herself. And in 2020, add to the list of goals for us corporately and individually to fuss less, to fasten more. Can we say amen to that? I'm going to move on. Secondly, trade in your getting for his giving. Verse 32 says the pagans or the unbelievers, the unconverted, they run after these things, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, and your heavenly father He already knows that you have need of it. John 3.16, hello, says, For God so loved the world that he, he gave his only son so that we can inherit eternal life. Do we not think our heavenly father is well suited to give us so much what we think we want and more that we're trying to get? He can provide for us the very things and so much more that we're wearing ourselves out to get. Also in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, it says, If you then, though, are ev- though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? What if in 2020 we traded our getting for his giving? Spoiler alert. Can I just do that? It's better. His giving is so much better. And let's be real. Wouldn't we like a nice break from getting, getting, getting anyways? I was thinking about my own life, and I thought, it never stops. It never stops. Got to get my degree. Got to get into a college. Got to go to grad school. Got to get a spouse. Got to get a house. I got to buy one. I got to get whatever's next. I got to get a tenure track role. Then I got to get tenure. Then I got to be full professor. Then I got to, it never stops. Wouldn't it be nice to just have a break from all the getting and say, God, what do you have to give? And let me rest in what 
that is. And the interesting thing to me is that all of those things we're getting aren't bad things necessarily. If we can point to Luke 9 for a quick moment. It's a story of a gentleman who God told to follow him. And his first three words after Jesus said that was, first, let me. First, let me go bury my dad. How many know that was probably a really important thing to him? Especially important if they were really close. What we're wanting to get, what we're wanting to do isn't bad. We want to do it. But check out Jesus' response. He says, let the dead bury their own dead. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Ouch. And yet how many find us, myself included, whether verbally or otherwise, behaviorally saying, first let me. First let me get tenure. First let me get this job. First let me get this promotion. First let me get that girl. First, let me own the house. First, let me get a grandbaby. Hurry up, y'all. First, let me. And as a side, somewhat, not really a different path, kind of related note, I find it interesting that God is not ever really going to wait until we're idle to call us. He's not going to say, hey, when work slows down for you, go help Zandy in the back, because he did slides maybe 48 out of the 52 weeks of this year. Work's not going to slow down. He's not going to say, hey, when family issues die down, then you can come in and, and maybe serve in this way or that way. How many know he's not waiting for us to be idle to call us? You know the story of Victory Church. You know we weren't twiddling our thumbs when God came along and said, it's time for you to go. We were busy getting good things, but God says my giving will be so much better than your getting. Can I testify for 30 seconds on that? I said I would... Go into the third point briefly after that. But if you don't know that story of Victory Church, and this is just a slice of it, when God said in 2014 through prayer and otherwise, you all need to plant this church, we said, okay, we need to pray about that. Eventually, we decided to move to Northern Virginia to get training at Grace Covenant Church while commuting to UVA to continue with our job here. Don't recommend it, by the way. <laughs> but we did that, and we knew the training would be second uh, to none because we knew Grace Covenant. Pastor Brett has pastored us and shepherded us for a long time. So we knew that. But you know, even beyond that, what God gave had no idea, none, that we being minutes from our, my mom and my dad, would be right there when they needed us to transition them. When we took dad's car keys because he couldn't drive anymore when we transitioned them from their home to my sister's house, and then we transitioned them from my sister's house to assisted living, and then we were there almost every day taking care of them. God's giving, and I know you're thinking, gift? That was a gift. Had we been in Charlottesville, that would have been a whole different narrative. So all the getting on this front that looked good, and, and God was in it, I believe, too, but his giving on the other end was so much more, though training great and all of the support we've received since, great, that gift never saw coming. How about your life? How about our lives more corporately when we say, God, I'll trade in my getting, which might be good and necessary and fun even for the gift I can't even see yet that you have for me when I say yes, when I get rid of first let me and throw those words out and just say, I'm here trading my getting for your giving. Amen? Amen. It's a part of running well. That I pray we corporately and individually do in 2020. And lastly, moving from visitation to habitation. Seeking him first, Matthew 6, 33. It's not meant to be occasional. 
If you're like me, there are those particularly salient moments where you're like, I got to seek the Lord because I have a big decision to make. Don't know which job to choose. Thank God I got two to choose from. I don't know where I'm supposed to move next. I don't know if I'm supposed to go to grad school. And if I am, where? I don't know what I'm supposed to do with these blessings of mine. I need to seek you, which isn't bad. Seeking is always good, but seeking first isn't occasional as we see it because we can only see what we see. I mean, you know, seeking him first is about habitation. And it points me to, and I want to point you to for notes now and maybe later, study 2 Kings chapter 4. It was the Shunammite woman who understood when the prophet Elisha was coming by to have dinner that he was a man of God. And she says, you know what? We need to build a room in our home for the man of God. We need to make room. So it's not just visitation. He could actually come and live. And I want to add to that text, not knocking the Shunammite woman at all, because there's a lot we can learn from that, but to suggest that he wants more than just a room. Because we can put him in a room, we can put some soundproof things on it, we can bolt it shut, we can say, you don't come out unless I really want you to come out, God, but you're in the house. This is the sacred room of our house. We go in there to do holy things. He wants the whole house, your whole house, my whole house. He wants access to it all. And guess what? When he goes from visitation to habitation in our lives, we can't do our taxes the same. We can't talk to our roommates the same. Can't talk to our spouses the same. Can't kick the dog in the same way. We got to use maybe the right foot instead of the left foot. That was a joke. (laughs) Don't kick your dog too hard. But when there's habitation and you move from visitation of I'm going to seek you because I see reason why. And now saying I need to seek you because I don't even know what's around the corner. Not out of fear, but just out of reverence for a holy God. When we move into that space, then he can do for us the things he wants to do for us beyond that which he's already done, which is enough. The Shunammite woman, if we were to go back to that story years later, Elisha was able to before the king advocate on her behalf to get her housing and her land back. If you read further, it's 2 Kings 8, I think, four chapters after what I just referenced. Stuff we can't even see, she couldn't see, and yet making room for God allows him access to do what we can't see. Anybody want to run well in 2020? Yes? As I close, running well, as is our theme here, is so much better in community. I don't like to run And I don't believe in being unequally yoked, so I married somebody who also doesn't like to run. And together, we don't like to run. But she did a whole lot more than I ever would, Lee, some years ago. She ran a 10-miler? 10-miler. And it was crazy. But she was committed. And I know part of what helped was there being this group of ladies who got together and they would call and say, we're practicing on this day and we'll run together and we'll do it for weeks leading up to this race. What wasn't so funny is that community kind of bounced on you and I think she ended up going solo. But the idea of what community can do is not only does it help us reach our destination more quickly and efficiently, but on the way allows for some sharpening to take place some encouragement, some movement on fronts that maybe we don't even realize there needs to be movement on. The greed issues that we may 
want to carry into 2020. The selfishness we might want to add, the backbiting, the anger, the mismanagement of our resources, whatever it is in community with people who can hold up a mirror gently, bearing each other's burdens, I believe we can run well and God can do what he wants to always do, which is to show up and show out in ways that only he can, the supernatural, beyond any plan that we can create, any idea we can come up with. And so here at Victory Church, we have victory groups. One of many ways that you can connect in community with others, about eight to 10 people on a weekly basis who get together across the entire year, fall, winter, and spring sessions. Summer, we take a break. And in those meetings, we discuss the word of God. We pray, we, we talk about life. And there are five sermon questions that we go through every week to make it really easy on the leader. What would it look like for us to run well in community? in 2020 in ways we hadn't this year. If you're interested on that front, next Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. in this room, we'll have a victory group leader orientation where you can learn, Lord, what does it look like for me to run well in that lane to help those in my sphere of influence to fuss less and fasten more, to trade in our getting for your giving and what was my last point? I was just checking. And to move from visitation to habitation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time of sharing your word. For what in your word we will never reach the full depth of, but in this moment prayerfully have scratched a little bit deeper of what it means to seek you first. What does that look like practically in the morning, every day, at night, at lunch, in our lives? What does it look like in relationships for you to be sought first? What does it look like relative to the things we want to and are tempted to worry about and be concerned and anxious about? What does it look like for us to seek you? Verse 34 of that text says, we don't need to worry about tomorrow. And a big part of that is because you hold tomorrow. And if we're resting in you and seeking you always, then there's no worry because you're not worrying. We can worry about or be concerned about what's in front of us today, which by no stretch of the imagination doesn't mean that we don't plan for the future, but it does mean we don't fret about it. What does that look like in our lives, God, to run well? With eyes closed and heads bowed, there may be someone here who doesn't know Jesus as Lord, and as Savior. And if that is you, we want to pray with you to make the greatest decision of your life. If you want to say yes to Jesus today, just raise your hand really high so we can pray with and for you. All the baby's hands going up. Awesome. For those of you who raised your hands here and live streaming, you can just repeat these words after me. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for never turning your back on me, even when I turn mine on you. Thank you for talking to me, even when I stop talking to you. Today, I choose to turn away from everything the Bible calls sin, to follow you with all of my heart. I choose to live my life for you. I recognize this doesn't mean a storm-free life. Oh, but I know in you it can be a storm-proof one. I love you. I adore you. 
and I'm going to worship you for all of my days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. If you prayed that prayer, or if you didn't pray that prayer, maybe you prayed it years ago, but you have other prayer needs that you want to have somebody pray with and for you about, we have an amazing prayer team. Earlier today, we talked about uh, in our discipleship moment how our repetition is our reputation. A good friend of mine, Pastor Jerry Green, has always said that to me. And, uh, and we just talked about how God has been so gracious to us and that we've been able to be consistent for the first year in ministry, an entire volunteer team, you, an extension of which will be our prayer team, who every week is here faithfully to pray with and for um, your most pressing needs. So if you have one or two or ten, um, don't miss the opportunity to have somebody join their faith with yours to a holy God who hears us and we know answers when we pray according to his word. Amen? Amen. Love y'all. Thank you, worship team.